Ooh, that's a bingo. <laughs> Is that the way you say it? That's a bingo. You just say bingo. Bingo! How fun! <laughs> Presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the central university. A study on the wise field. Like we always do about this time. Boom. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 343. 343 episodes of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. I am your host, in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me, looking beautiful as can be, is the brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. And millions. What the fuck is going on, guys? Go to cavemancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory. They got the coffee beans. They got the hibiscus tea. They got the cacao butter. They got everything your heart desires. Uh, that's it. Use promo code America at checkout to receive 50% <laughs> off. Tell them Martin Jacob sent you. We appreciate it. They appreciate it. That's all. That's all, folks. Yes. So with that said, uh, guys, I need everyone to head on over to our other sponsor. Guys, I'm talking about the great... And powerful Nicole Smith Bosch has put together an illustrious array of merchandise for your consumption pleasure. Mind you, I need everyone to head on over to sucraapparel.com. Um, check out the store. Uh, check out everything Nicole has designed with her own two hands. Um, Christmas is coming, so um, perhaps you want to buy somebody something spectacular. So I highly advise going over to sucraapparel.com. Uh, but before you hit checkout, guys, I need everyone to enter promo code Art and Jacob. And Nicole will give you 10% off your entire purchase. But Art, I feel like we... we, 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 we I'll be honest with you. I think we totally dropped the ball on this because this is like two different... I'm like scrambling to, to uh, <laughs> put this topic together. I, I thought we were doing our top 20 favorite movies and we we're going to do one through... Sorry, 20, 20 through, through 10 11. or whatever. Or 11. And then, uh, so I'm scrambling. You thought we were doing our top ten, and we were doing the first five. four or five? Five today, yeah. Yeah, so uh, kind of, because I did, I did no research into, like, like on my other ones, I had, like, the year that were, they were released and all this information, so I'm like, I have none of that information on oh, these. Oh, okay. So, like, well, it is Christmas time, guys, so... <laughs> <laughs> so our lives are a little hectic right now. That's why we're doing a top uh, movies of all time podcast uh, because um, 
as people know, I mean, yeah, with Christmas, just, you know, there's a lot of things you got to do. You have a significant other. I have a significant other. I literally am like an hour fresh from coming back home from Disneyland, you know, doing the whole, you know, Christmas time at Disneyland thing and whatnot. So I'm tired as fuck. I don't have time to research newest and greatest conspiracy. There is, I guess, a conspiracy where, you know, kids are being abducted underground under the tunnels of Disneyland and whatnot. Uh, I guess that's huge on TikTok. TikTok. I did go when I went to Disneyland. I did go into each and every single bathroom and look for a secret compartment where a cast member could steal my child. I even offered my child as bait. And you know, my child, he's cute as shit. You and know what? I I had never heard that. I think Jordan said that about the about uh Disneyland, but. Yeah, that's pretty far-fetched. So anyways, we're busy trying to fucking bait our children to get stolen by the fucking, you know, pedophilic Illuminati and shit. So, you know, times are tough. So we got to do a top 10 list, if you will. And it's kind of surprised me, like, when you pitched this topic of, you know, doing our favorite movies of all time, that we hadn't done that. We have done, you know, our top Marvel movies of all time. We've done our top Christmas movies of all time. We've done our favorite albums of all time when Eric was still a part of this contingent. Uh, but we've never done our top movies of all time. And if anybody listens to our Patreon, uh, you know, we're big movie buffs. I, mean, I would say maybe Art is a little bit more buffer than I am. He he is the Thor and love and thunder of this program, if you will, <laughs> like when it comes to, to movie buffs. So but, quick question. You want to stop at number six today, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I won't even bother with those other ones then. Okay, cool. Okay. So, okay. All right. He's ready. Yeah, I bullshit yeah. you. I bullshitted you guys I'll, enough. I'll for be today. honest with you. Like I was, I was like on my top twenty. I was like preparing all this information on these other ones. So I am a little disappointed. But let me let me just start off with your honorable mentions. So I guess my well, just give well, it. Let's, let's just so, give your twenty. So, so like around your twenty real quick. So I had my honorable mentions. My honorable mentions were all over the place. It was everything from like Nightmare for Christmas, um, Good Times, Blair Witch Project. The Blade Runner twenty twenty or twenty forty nine, um, uh, the movie Tombstone. Oh, um, that's a good one. Yeah, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the comedy Superbad. Like, yeah, yeah, those are my honorable mentions. But as far as where my top twenty were, I put Rogue One, the Star Wars movie. Rogue One, I fucking love that movie. Mm-hmm. That was my number twenty. My number nineteen was American Psycho. That's actually what I was watching when I was watching the Christmas Day Parade when I started re- <laughs> I was like, American Psycho, I fucking love yeah. this movie. My number 17 movie actually was like, like I don't know, one of the, one of my favorite movies ever, There Will Be Blood. Um, Dude, that topped, that There Will Be Blood, that topped, because <clears throat> I did like a little like, okay, let me do like a refresher of movies that have come out in the last 20 years. That topped like many lists of like the top twenty movies of the last twenty years, and I was like, "Fuck, I need to watch." I've never never seen it. So here's here's a really interesting thing about this. I'm glad I'm glad we stopped there because a couple of things, a couple of episodes ago, maybe a couple of months ago, you mentioned the movie Licorice Pizza and how you hated it. Mm -hmm. And do you know who directed uh, There Will Be Blood, Licorice Pizza? Same director. Oh God, yeah, he's, it's it's he's, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and one of the funny things about this guy, and it's funny because the movie, one of the movies that I'll talk about today, is a movie that is directly influenced by There Will Be Blood, and it's a certain director who I'll reveal later on said, 
I basically have one competitor in the movie game right now as far as if people are going to say this is the best director of our times, they're either going to say me or they're going to say him. And when he made There Will Be Blood, people were going to say him for sure. So I had to come back and make my movie, which like later comes on, it does make my top 10. Mm -hmm. But There Will Be Blood was like fucking like, like amazing, dude. Like, I, dude, honestly, I will say like, like even I know you didn't like Licorice Pizza, but have you seen have you seen Boogie Nights? Yo, I like Boogie Nights. So he directed Boogie Nights. He did Magnolia. I like Magnolia. He's, he's done a couple of things, but I to me, There Will Be Blood is like the creme, the creme de la creme of his movies, where it's like, like he fucking like outdid everybody with this one, where it was like I was blown away by There Will Be Blood. But there's a chance you might not like it. But uh. Uh yeah, so I put that one. I put my number sixteen movie was Predator because I fucking love Predator. I yeah. just get down to Predator every yep. time. My number fifteen was Fight Club. Mm-hmm. I have that in there. Fourteen was It Follows, more modern like horror movie. Uh, my number thirteen was the one of the you know it's it's a so bad it's good type movie. It's Birdemic. I think Birdemic is like genius, dude. I could put on Birdemic and like laugh at any time, dude. I fucking love that movie. My number 12 was Pulp Fiction. I fucking oh. love Pulp Fiction. Didn't make my top 10, though. And my number 11 was Social Network. Nice. Um, but, yeah, that's my that's my list. All great movies, um, <clears throat> except for uh, There Will Be Blood. I haven't seen it, so I can't confirm that. <clears throat> but I'll give it a shot, you know, yeah. next time I get sick or, you know, I get fired from my job or whatever, and, right? And I put this list together not as movies that I fucking love. Like, these are, like, the best movies ever made. But it was, like... Movies that, like, because I think Social Network, you can make an argument that Social Network is, like, of all these movies, I would say, like, Social Network and There Will Be Blood might be, like, the best. Like, there's no way Birdemic is better than There Will Be Blood. Mm-hmm. Like, Birdemic's a dumb movie, but I love watching that movie because it makes me laugh. Yeah, and that that's a big point, too, that I want to stick with before I give, you know, any of my movies is that there's going to be a lot of movies that I put out there here and put, like, in weird spots. I even surprised myself. Um, but I use like the test of like, yeah, there's a, I like a lot of movies and I know I'll listen back to this or I'll get comments like, how could you forget about this movie? And there's a lot of movies that I love that I just won't mention or they won't be on my top 10 or they might be, you know, an honorable mention. Like for example, you mentioned super bad 40 year old virgin, that whole era of movies. Like I love that fucking era. That's like one of my favorite eras of comedy. But none of them made my top ten. I didn't put any comedies in. And the reason why is because it's like, you know, <clears throat> the litmus test I, I used was just, hey, if this movie's on, do I stay up till 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning to finish it? Mm. Or do I just be like, okay, I'll wait for this scene and go shower and go to bed, you know, after that. And all of my top ten, like, those are movies that's like, well, I got to stay for the remainder of this movie, whether I get, you know, two hours of sleep the next day or not. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, with that said, you know, a few of my honorable mentions that didn't make my top 10, and, you know, I'll, we'll mention some more next week, I guess, but um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, if we do this, if we revisit this maybe, like, in, you know, a couple more years and whatnot, might make my top 10. That was one that, like, I was playing with on putting at number 10. I just fucking love that movie, and, you know, I love Quentin Tarantino, as you will see, mm-hmm. and I love that ending. It's probably one of my favorite endings of all time. 
Um, a movie that you know I didn't write down, but it just popped into my head. It's Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Like I just love everything about that movie. It's like a perfect like teen sex comedy. Like it's just mm-hmm. it's just a perfect movie. Uh, um, <clears throat> but unfortunately, you know, you know I can stop at certain points and whatnot. Uh, you mentioned you know Fight Club again, one of my favorite movies of all time. Interview with a Vampire, The Dark Knight, The Departed, American History X, No Country for Old Men, uh, Predator. Um, actually, hold on, hold on, make sure I didn't. <laughs> yeah, Predator unfortunately didn't make my list. American Beauty, uh, The Lord of the Rings saga, uh, yeah. The Lion King. You know, I had to throw some Disney in there and whatnot. Uh, Warrior with Tom Hardy. Uh, great movie. Casino. Let the right one in. Drive. Yeah, dr- Drive was one of my like honorable mentions that I was just gonna just bring up. Drive. I put Get Out, Us, Dark Knight, Audition, oh, Shadow. Yeah. I don't know if you ever seen Shadow. Shadow's a Japanese movie. No, dude. Do you remember that movie Hero? It, dude, it's like one of the most visually stunning. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Samurai, like fucking badass. Like, I recommend the movie Shadow, dude. It's like. It's again like I'm not a big subtitles guy. I'm not a big reading guy, <laughs> <laughs> but like Shadow is like fucking beautiful. Like it's it's amazing. By the way, there's a show on Netflix right now called Blue Eye Samurai. Uh-huh. I highly recommend it if you're into like animated like samurai stuff. But uh, yeah, fucking amazing. But anyways, Shadow, you know, fucking amazing like samurai movie. Like I saw it at the Fox Theater. It was like mind blowing, dude. Nice, but yeah, and I do recommend like watching it at least once a year because it's fucking mind blowing. Write down, um, Office Space, Borat, House of a Thousand Corpses, dumb Rob Zombie movie, but I yeah. like it. I and like that's it. what I mean, like, dude, my number twenty was gonna be Rogue One. Like, Rogue One, I'm sure is not gonna be on anyone's like thing, but it's not about like how could you leave this out. It's like it's just my personal list of like movies I like. Oh, correct. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, what, what do you mean? How can I, these are my movies this is what i like and then this kind of like maybe i'm a weird person and whatnot right uh but when we did our top 10 marvel movies of all time uh spider-man no way home it's gonna make my honorable mention oh dude but it's not gonna make my top 10 but another marvel movie actually does make my top 10 and the reason why that is i was thinking i was like why am i having these conflicting feelings and it's like it's like christmas movies again i like home alone one and two i like you know a lot of different christmas movies but in July, I'm not really going to like put those movies on. It's not until like I feel the moment. I think the difference is it's like if I'm looking at, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home, which I believe I put as number 1 a Marvel movie, in that scope of like those like prime MCU movies and shit, like yeah, I guess yeah, that is like the best one, but when you're talking about my favorite one, yeah, it it's not going to make my top 10. And the same thing with you know like Christmas movies it's like yeah there's a lot of Christmas movies that I like a lot you know Mm -hmm. but they're not gonna make my top 10 because it's like okay I gotta be in the mood kind of thing for it but if you change like the scenery then the arrangement changes as well so you'll see a lot of if you go if you're (laughs) an Art and Jacob do American nerd you'll see a lot of conflicting information here. I just noticed that between American Psycho and There Will Be Blood, I left one out, and that's because it had a bunch of bullet points on it. And that was the only one that had like a bunch of bullet points on it, and that's Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man's uh, uh, Into the Spider-Verse slash Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. I honestly think that's like the best animated, animated. movie since yeah. like 
my number 10 movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's like amazing, like so well done that it's like just incredible. Mm -hmm. And I also have Raging Bull, Taxi Driver. I know I said Casino, but I did it twice. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I had to put Tombstone on there. I can't believe I forgot about that. But yeah, there's a lot, tons of movies. Yeah, Tombstone was going to make my top 20. It was was pretty close, Tombstone. Tombstone is like one of those movies that's like so quotable. And I thought that was like major too. Like if you're going to make like my list, like I better be able to like quote this shit, right? Yeah. And like Tombstone is like one of those one across the board. It's very much a cowboy movie. It's very much a, <laughs> a a Republican ass movie, yeah. but like it crosses like those those lines where like you can't help but love that fucking film, and it doesn't matter if you're like a homeboy from the hood or a fucking country bumpkin from Texas and shit. Like, yeah, you, you put fucking Tombstone on, like you're gonna remember that movie for decades. Oh, to it's come. fantastic! One of my favorite movies growing up. Val Kilmer's best role. Yeah, I remember like. I watched that movie and the Count of Monte Cristo like so many times, like when I was a kid, because I thought both of them were like badass movies, like just uh-huh. just those badass like Valve Kilmer characters, or Doc Holliday, like I just fucking love that. Shout out to Count of Monte Cristo, like another movie that I just loved growing up. Mm-hmm. Forgot who that was, the main character, who that main actor was, but um, I fucking love that movie too. Just like. I don't know something about like those like late nineties or or sorry like mid nineties early two thousand movies like I just fucking love dude just yeah. just love it but anyways you ready to the top ten to start the <laughs> top ten and this is gonna be a two part guys yeah. because I just want to say I was not prepared for for these the movies that I'm about to talk about right now so if I'm a little rusty on what I'm about to say it's it's because it's all off the dome right now. I literally okay. I'm, I have the movie title and the year that they came out in, and the rest I'm just gonna freestyle from the from okay. the heart from the Corazon. Okay, but let's, let's and maybe that's a good thing. You don't want to yeah. think too much about it. Whatever, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, what, I'll let you start. What's your your tenth favorite movie as of right now of all time? Uh, so my number ten movie. Uh, I mentioned Spider Man into the Spider Verse slash Across the Spider Verse being like. I think the best movie since this movie came out. Uh, This movie came out in 2000. uh, Yeah, just 2000. Uh, This is a movie I saw in theaters, and it's Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust. It was, I I remember seeing this in theaters thinking like, holy shit, this is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. The animation was amazing. The music was amazing. The storyline was like fantastic. This is the follow up to the original Vampire Hunter movie. Okay. Um I just I loved it. I thought it was just beautifully orchestrated, like just I remember like buying it on DVD and like watching it like fucking like almost every weekend for like three months straight because I didn't <laughs> think it was just awesome. There's a scene where he like they're building up this thing where it's like they got to get from point A to point B, but to do that, you have to go through the windmills of the Barbaroi. And it's like that scene is like so fucking badass because it's like it's like this mansion full of monsters, basically. And like I remember like the the build up to that scene where it's like, all right, you have to go through these people to get there. And like it's 
it's just one of the most badass scenes ever. Like what's funny is my cousin um, Peter. He bought my cousin Keith a cell from like that scene that you're talking about, uh-huh. and he actually has that. And I guess it's autographed too by like the animator and whatnot. I was yeah, like, yeah, dude, that's fucking badass. And he, when he opened it up on Christmas, and I'm looking, at him, I'm like, damn, that's that's a badass gift or whatever, right? Dude, like, that- that is a badass gift. And what I wouldn't have to have Jules and John Travolta <laughs> clearing, cleaning up brain matter out of the back of a fucking car, like that cell from that. That'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah, no, incredible movie. Like, to think, like, that came out in 2000. And, like, I feel like animation, like, I was just talking about Blue-Eyed Samurai, which is an animated t- TV show that's on Netflix. Like, I feel like that, the animation is, like, up to the same level. It took, 23 years for people to like catch up to where vampire hunter d was at that level Mm -hmm. it was just so ahead of its time like just incredible like they did such a good job there's a behind the scenes if you get the dvd where they show the um the orchestras that are putting this together like the music the music is just like the scope of this was just not done in animes like animes were always just viewed as like secondary like art forms for like nerds in japan this is the one of the first movies, and there were a few things that were popping up around this time period, like uh, Akira had already come out, and like, um, um, Ghost in the Shell. Like, there were big animated movies that had come out, but this one was the first one that was like, dude, this is up there, like, like cinematically, like musically, like everything about it was just so grand scale, um, for the first time ever that it was like, it was it was just mind blowing. I remember just being obsessed with it for like the longest time. Holy shit. Um, I looked up because, um, when you said vampire hunter D, I was thinking about the original. Uh, uh-huh. and, um, I, ha- I remember when cartoon network, uh, started to show like adult swim, like adult swim, I guess at first was just like a block of, uh, cartoons that they would show like around like 10 o'clock to midnight. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit edgier. You know, like yeah. you're not going to watch the Hanna-Barbera shit, yeah. you know. That like, was the no kids out of the pool era. Yeah. and Or, or um, kids out of the pool era. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember when they first started doing that, I remember like on a Saturday night, I was like watching, you know, Cartoon Network. I was like eight years old or whatever and watching Cartoon Network and they were showing Vampire Hunter D, the original. And I remember like if it was such a good like cartoon, like it was like literally like sitting down watching like The Godfather, like with my dad, but like it was a cartoon like i didn't understand this concept i was like what the fuck like this ain't snow white mm-hmm. and like they were show like you know you know animated nudity and shit and i remember like the next day like secretly in church like telling my cousin like and then there's like this hand that talks and like all this shit like talk, tell yeah. him about it and he got like way more obsessed than me i had only seen it that one time and i was like to this day i was like damn that's like one of the best animated movies i had ever seen you yeah know? no the original i mean not to like shit on the original or anything the original is good. Don't get me wrong. I think the original is still a classic. I would even say the original has a better storyline mm-hmm. than this one. But just the way that this one is animated, the first like 30 minutes of this movie are just fucking incredible. Like where it's just like, it's like a nonstop roller coaster of a movie. And then it finally like gets you, you know, you get to settle down a little bit. Now that you've met the characters and like they've mm-hmm. done like their badass like killing. But yeah, no, I was just blown away by this movie. Like, it was a game changer for me, and I'm glad you mentioned like uh, Adult Swim. Adult Swim was one of the first things that like really introduced anime to me. Like they were they basically pulled um, 
Cowboy Bebop off the shelves and said like, check this out, America, and yeah. like, and like it blew people out, like kids my age. We were all like obsessed with Cowboy Bebop because really up to that point we basically just had like um, Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that. That was like uh-huh. the only like anime we were getting, but like. Yeah, man. Uh, Cowboy Bebop and, and this coming out back, you know, in that same era of like the early two thousands, I was just fucking blown away. Like I just was obsessed with it, dude. Like I highly, highly recommend it. If you're not, if, even if you're not into anime, if let's let's just say like you brought up a um, interview with the vampire. Like if you just if you enjoy like interview with the vampire and you're like you know what I want to watch an anime, give this fucking movie a shot. Like it's fucking incredible. And, and if, I'm not a, somebody that likes animes necessarily, and I think this is a good series. Yeah, yeah, I I yeah. love it. And I you know, and this is Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, which again this is part two. Yeah, no, not, you, not the you can you actually don't even have to watch part one. The stories aren't even that well linked together. They're just like the same guy. It's this is more like a like Desperado and yeah. Mariachi style, you know, like yeah. they're just chapters in like yeah. the chronicles of it. But yeah, incredible movie, highly recommended. That's all I got. Nice. Well, my top, my 10th favorite movie of all time is not as elegant as yours. Uh, but this one, I surprised myself that it made my list, but at the same time, I'm not Revenge surpri- of the Nerds. Yep. How'd you know? Uh. No, but uh, it's a comedy. Um, and the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, this better make my top 10. Like, it's such a seminal movie that had been around with me from the time it came out, which I believe, like, it was 1994. I mean, I had every co, every, every faction of coworkers I've ever worked with, we always quote this movie. You know, we're products of the hood. Like, we can relate to everything that happened in this movie and whatnot. Like, and not like in up until this point, like all hood movies were like all like serious, like boys in the hood, menace to society. Like it was like this, like how Eminem described, like you know, listening to N.W.A. like in Detroit, where like he thought everybody in California were just like on their stoops, like just shooting AKs and shit at each other, yeah, and whatnot, yeah. right? Uh, but it wasn't until like this movie came out where it's just like, well, no, it's not all fucking you know, crime and fucking pain and shit, and it's Friday, mm. and it's just like I remember this like at that time. It was like the funniest movie I had ever seen, you know, and it was one of the first movies I could say from fucking start to finish. You could you could quote it and not get tired. Right. Like whether you're talking about like the the intro music for the Isley Brothers, like trying to see a better way, you know, all that shit. And like I remember all the way up until high school, like I was still watching that movie. And I got like. The original VHS Dang, copy VHS, of it, of it whatever, or whatever, right? That I had bought at Target <laughs> for four ninety nine or whatnot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I remember, like this, this, this uh, VHS had been passed around from friend to friend to friend, and we were always finding like new things that were funny within scenes. Like if you watch it on the surface level, like, yeah, this movie's funny and whatnot. But like I remember, like one conversation, it was me, my friend Chris, and my friend Adolf. We were talking. Adolfo, not he wasn't named after the yeah. Fuhrer. Like he's a Mexican named kid named named after yeah, <laughs> some, yeah, yeah. you know, Mexican guy, whatever. But anyways, uh, we were sitting around. I was like, "Do you ever notice, like, in the scene where Craig's girlfriend calls him, like, there's a guy in the background, like, laying down, like, with dickies on?" And I was like, "No, I haven't." So you know, we all rushed home like that day and put it in. It was like, "Oh shit." That makes that scene even more funnier because Craig's girlfriend's accusing him of cheating 
And this bitch is over here, like, on the phone with a dude, like, in her bed and whatnot. And it's, like, yeah. little subtle things like that that, like, always popped out on this mm. movie. Interesting. The funny thing about... I, I love the movie Friday. It obviously didn't make my list, but... um, um, Or maybe it did. Uh, but, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it, it is kind of, like, a staple. Like, I think people of, of our generation, like, it didn't matter, like, what click you were in or whatever like you just watch friday like it was mm. just on i put it up there with like not to the level of like a pulp fiction or something like that but like pulp fiction you know like was just on all the time to correct me. and like same thing with friday like like there were many years where i just watched bits and pieces of it like i hadn't seen the ending i hadn't seen the beginning and, you know i just saw like bits and pieces. Th- bits and pieces and it wasn't until like maybe like like 2000 or like something like that or like early 2000s where i was like all right i'm gonna finally like sit down and watch the entirety of it and i loved it i thought it was great um and i think by that time they were already starting to make like friday part two or like oh, next friday yeah. which i've actually never seen those other fridays because right off the bat the trailers look like it's subpar versions of this yeah, movie definitely every every version of it is a definite step down and i think like the the last Friday movie that came out, it's just like a straight up Christmas movie. And it was like, Oh, like, Oh it, really? I didn't yeah. even know that. Yeah. I didn't know they did that. But like he introduced like a lot of like comedians, like in that movie, that was like Cat Williams's debut and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I mean, there was some good that came out of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, at least, you know, Friday one for sure. I can speak to. Cause oh yeah. I would say, yeah, no, that's a, definitely a classic, man. It is a feel good classic movie. The funny thing is I actually don't think it's that funny. Like, I when you said it was a comedy, like I think it has funny parts to it, but for the most part, I think it's just like a good movie. Like it's hard <laughs> for me to explain without. I I know that sounds like I'm shitting on it, because I I think it's just like there's like if you subtracted um is it Smokey? Yeah, if Chris. you subtract if you subtract Smokey from the movie and the dad, like his dad, like it's actually probably wouldn't be considered. It would be more of like a drama almost like <laughs> like it's a dude who lost his job and like has to fight the neighborhood bully type thing you know like there's not a lot of funny things going on there in fact i think the speech that the dad gives him where he's like what'd you know about these things back in the day we this is how we settled our th-. you yeah, know yeah. i i think about that a lot where i'm like dude that movie like, was deep right yeah and I, th- I think about that shit a lot where i'm like you know what he his, his dad is right like you know it to me it is like it is a lot of it is just like, you know, kids today want to like shoot each other and all this shit. And it's like, mm-hmm. sometimes it is just about like fucking like using your words. And if your words don't, you know, like if, if people are still picking on you, sometimes you just got to fucking like man up and like, you know, you know, fucking take it on the chin or have another person take it on the chin type thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like, I think that, I think it is like a, a, a interesting thing because you don't get a lot of stories that are like, are like stories about like men, I guess. And this is going to sound weird, not to be all misogynistic Sexist, or anything. Yeah. You know, you see a lot of like the diary of the traveling pants or whatever, like type <laughs> movies. And I'm yeah. serious. Like, you know, you're you, right though. You yeah. get so many of those movies that are like feel good women movies, you know? Yeah. To get a feel good man movie where it's just like, to me, that's what this is. It's, I don't even think about it as a comedy. I would say like, is. Diary of the Traveling Pants, a uh, comedy, or you know, like those. There's funny things in Probably, those movies, but but I don't think people go like, you know, what my favorite comedy is. It's like, you know, whatever, you know, like one of those movies where it's like, um, 
I don't know. Like I, I think it's a, I think it's a great movie. I think it's a very like guy movie. Oh yeah. Which, which, um, and it's and it's a good guy movie because it's not a very like, it's I would I don't think it's a misogynistic guy movie. To me, it's a great example of like a guy movie, which I really appreciate. Oh yeah. So yeah, I do. I like didn't it. think about it like that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, from from start to the beginning, like you can quote this movie and whatnot, right? Yeah. Like you you said, like the dad, like the dad's like one of the fun John Witherspoon. Yeah. yeah, and I like those two elements. Obviously, Smokey and the dad are like. Yeah, I mean, and then there's <laughs> other guys too, like Ezale. Like yeah. it's even a sticker like on my computer over here. It's, it yeah. says, "Hey, everybody, Smokey's back here taking a shit." Like when you know Smokey has to take a <laughs> shit or whatever, and the bum like fucking rats him out and shit. Uh, but even like the dad, like he's like, "Boy, I need to come, come here. I need to talk to you yeah. or whatnot, right?" And he's like, man, I'll come back, man. You taking a shit? And he goes, boy, I smelled your shit for 22 years. Yeah. You can't uh, smell mine for five yeah. seconds. And the dad's like trying yeah. to be all loving and like get him a job as a dog catcher and shit. Why well, every time I'm in the kitchen, you, you in, in the, the kitchen. kitchen. Yeah, like, yeah. no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, there's so many things. Even when he calls him and he's like, hand me the remote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that whole thing. It's like. Or the mom like, mm, mom, you cooking it up. And she's like naming all the shit that she's making. Like, yeah. where's my plate? She goes, oh, I didn't say this was for you. Uh, go get some cereal. And she goes, we ain't got no milk. Put some water on it. It won't hurt. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, the, I mean, I th- I think it's a I think it's a good movie. I think it's like, a, like, I don't know. I didn't mean to make it all like, oh, it's more of a, you have to think. It's inte- a coming of age in, film. In, in, yeah. Intellectualized Friday or anything like that. <laughs> but I do think that, I think, I mean, it's a movie that like anybody can enjoy. And I think it's a good like, like, I mean that. Like, I, I think that there's not like good guy movies because a lot of times you have guy movies and all it is is like Sylvester Stallone yeah it's like some bullshit thing or like or it's like really misogynistic it's like borderline like Andrew Tate type level shit where it's just like raping women and shit like (laughs) yeah like it's not that like it's it's like legitimately like he's a nice guy towards a girl and like even though the relationship element of it where he like meets a girl at the you know like Right, he has there's like a different girl in the story. Where yeah, like, so he has a girlfriend. But he has she's, a girlfriend, but but she's a she's toxic because she's doing it with other dudes, as yeah. I explained. But then you know, accusing him of doing that, and he's just a nice guy who's trying to work. Mm-hmm. And you know, then there's this like really hot neighborhood chick that he likes, but can't do anything with because he's faithful to this toxic chick and whatnot. Yeah. Right, but at the end of the, not to spoil the movie's been out since like '94. But, you know, at the end of the movie, he gets the chick. He saves her sister from the neighborhood bully and yeah. all this stuff and gets Smokey off from Big Worm and all this shit. <laughs> That's like, what I mean. I think it's a perfect, like, you know, it's a it's a really good, like, guy movie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. If you ain't fucking with Friday, I ain't got time for you, man. And it's got good jokes. Yes. Like, I feel like that's what it is. Like, it's a good movie that just happens to have good jokes in it. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. I yeah. wouldn't be, like, like, super bad. You watch super bad and you know it's a comedy, like, from the moment mm-hmm. you put it on. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's a movie with a heart. But yeah, anyways, yeah. you're number nine. Okay, my number nine. Um, and this is how I already know it's going to be a good list because, like, our movies are already going to be very different. In what, but this is a very art-like me movie. You okay. Know, like, I don't Licorice mean, like, pizza. I don't, mean, I don't mean, like, artistic movie. Oh, okay. But, like, uh, I think I showed you this movie. This was one of my favorite movies, like, for a long time. Um 2009's House of the Devil by Ty West. Oh, I remember I f- that. Yeah. I fucking love this movie, but I already know that it's not well received by everybody. I remember I sh- I uh I invited this girl once to watch this movie and like we were going to make French toast and watch this movie. I was like already like very proud of myself for being <laughs> a clever motherfucker. 
And I remember the minute it ended, she was like, that movie was not scary at all. You made it sound like that movie was going to be terrifying. And I was like, and that's one of the key things to me is like, I don't think I think any movies, ter- like I don't think I've ever been scared during a movie besides maybe like Jacob's Ladder and things uh-huh. like that. Like, I, I don't like it when they get too psychological and it fucks with my mind. Mm-hmm. But like, for the most part, like, I don't think movies are scary. Like, I understand, like, that it's a movie. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've never been, like, scared during a movie. <laughs> but, like, I like the, the like, ambient moments. I love that it's very, like, 1970s style, like, you know, Rosemary's Baby type elements to this movie. It's a slow burn movie, which I appreciate everything about that movie, like, being that way. And... I mean, I don't want to spoil too much about the movie itself, but, I mean, for a movie called House of the Devil, you would think that it would be like Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses, and Mm. it's not that. No. It definitely has blood and gore and things like that in it, but it's, you know, it's seldomly used. Like, it's like you get it in, like, these small doses, and it. I think it has a really good payoff. Obviously, it made my top ten favorite movies. It is a movie I love watching, like, you know, every... October, it just puts me in the mood for like a Halloween style scary movie type thing. I love it. Maybe because when I was a kid, I grew up watching those like old school, like I wouldn't say grindhouse movies, but like more like B movies. Mm -hmm. And this reminds me of that. Like it feels like a B movie that just wasn't popular in the seventies and you just stumble across it. I just, I love it. It gives me like those nostalgia vibes. Okay. I know we mentioned like, like to, have a quote or or something like that. Like we had mentioned, like like a favorite scene. The the funny thing about this movie is my favorite scene about this. There's a scene where the where the main character and her best friend are eating pizza together, and like I always love that like the look to the restaurant, the the like the pizza they're eating. It looks like like what old school pizza restaurants look like when I was a kid. Oh yeah, and that really like gives me like those like fucking like nostalgia vibes every time i watch that where i'm like dude that's so fucking cool like it looks like an old school pizza restaurant and i just love it like it, my favorite scene in the movie isn't even like a scary scene in the movie at all it's just like pizza the pizza scene with the it pizza restaurant and shit like I, the casting to this the fact that there this movie led to his following movie because one of the characters a real one of the actresses in the movie was like really crazy and like kept telling them that the hotel that they were staying at when they were filming this movie was haunted, which led him to make a follow-up. Well, not a follow-up, but a, his second... The movie after this one's called The Innkeepers about a haunted hotel where, like, this lady's basically telling him what this story was happening over here. But I don't know. I just... I love this movie. It's such a feel-good movie for me and, like, hmm. just love it. Yeah, I remember you showed it to me and I, I got a really good nap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's no. I mean. And not, that's not me shitting on the movie. Maybe I was just tired that day. But I, you're right. It is a really slow movie. It's a very art pick, you know, not artistic, yeah. but Arturo pick. And I was just remember sitting there, and like, I think we made, like, popcorn with, like, M&Ms in it or some shit. And I just remember being on that couch that you had at your mom's house, and, like, it's, like, so comfy and whatnot. And just, like, everything just slowly, like, just dimming, and I was just having, like, this excellent nap. And you're like, what would you think about the ending? And I'm like, dog, I'm not going to lie, dude. I was asleep for most of that. I, you know what, it, it is a slow burn, and I know that it's not. Again, this is my list. This is this is yeah. just kind of my thing, but um, I fucking love this movie. Like it just, just, it just 
to me it was like an instant classic the moment i saw it i was like i am obsessed with this like mm-hmm. and uh oh i remember this time period in our trails yeah, yeah. yeah i still i still love it i just you know still my top 10 movies unfortunately i do think that a lot of ty west movies are hit and miss like mm-hmm. i think he's made other like great movies or no sorry other good movies but he's also made some dud movies too yeah. So like that's why like you know I wish Ty West was more consistent in his movie making but you know but he did make you know um, I don't know if you saw X or um, what's the he's about to re- release Maxine Pearl or X and and Maxine that trilogy of movies mm-hmm. I do think that is a return to form for him where it's like yes. This is the Ty West I love. Yeah, I grew so, up watching. Yeah, this, is, this is House sleep. of the Devil <laughs> style. You know, I I do I do love that. I do highly recommend this if you like things like The Shining, or Rosemary's Baby, that sort of. It does, yeah. That but I do think if you like fucking House of a Thousand Corpses, you're probably gonna be like, yeah. this fucking sucks. Don't come here with yeah. popcorn with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, my number nine. I probably should have organized this a little yeah. bit better, but. Oh, well, you're going to have to see me turn around a couple times. So, um, <clears throat> apologies. Uh, but anyways, uh, this is a total cop-out because uh, I couldn't not put these two movies together because it originally was supposed to be one movie, but the studio said, hey, split it up and we'll release them separately. But anyways, I view them, you know, I've been hearing for years that they're supposed to release it as just one continuous film, but I've yet to see that, but... I would love to see this in theaters and own this on Blu-ray or DVD as this. Mm-hmm. But um, anyways, I put together uh, Kill Bill 1 and 2 as my number 9 and 10. Nice. Uh, let me put these two here. You know what's funny? I thought about putting Kill Bill Volume 1 on my list because I do think that Kill Bill Volume 1 is near perfection as far as like a movie 100% goes. 100% agree with you. It is absolutely like it just bliss like part one i do think part two is good but i do think part two is like nothing as good as part one where it's just mm-hmm. like this is absolute perfection like the whole way through so th- that's why I, did. I actually thought about that one a lot where i was like should i put this on my list but i do think part i agree with you i think part one is like amazing yeah yeah it's like and that's what i almost did like i just put all right kill bill you know part mm-hmm. one is like, going to be on number nine but then i'm like part two you start like you need like the resolution to the story because it ends like right in part one ends like literally like it's like an intermission like you're gonna go mm-hmm. to the snack bar and whatnot and go to the toilet and whatnot but like part two like yeah it's part one is the action movie right mm-hmm. and like you said it's perfection whether you're talking about like when Oren Ishii is telling her backstory and it's that anime or you know when her and you know Vivica a. Fox are fighting in the fucking kitchen and whatnot and she's telling like, her daughter you know I understand. You know, when you're old enough, you'll come, you know, get your vengeance for me killing your mom, but I'll be ready kind of just total badass. Like you mentioned with Friday, like it's a total like like (laughs) opposite land where like it's a it's a dude movie, but it's like a feel good dude movie where this is like an action movie, but with a chick like and Mm -hmm. it works well. And it doesn't feel like the Marvels or Captain Marvel where it's just like they're trying to, you know, force feed you like, okay, you're. Here's our diversity uh, uh, a pick for a superhero kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where it's like it just feels natural. Where it's just like okay, it's a simple movie. It's a bride who got, you know, massacred by her ex boyfriend and whatnot, mm-hmm. and she thinks she loses her child and whatnot. Just 
you know, it makes sense. She's out for revenge. You know, it's a revenge flick. You know, it's very simple, like you said on a couple yeah, Patreons yeah. and whatnot. And like she has this list, she's checking it twice, like Santa, and yeah. she's gonna kill everybody on her list. And her last on her list is Bill. And I think that's why part two it gets combined with this because that's such a powerful scene with her and Bill at the end, where it's like you your whole lead up to the movie is just like nothing but hate and revenge. You're killing everybody all the deadly vipers and whatnot right and then you get to the the top guy and it just becomes like this love fit flick like all of a sudden like that that left field like oh i'm gonna hit you with this like yeah i have a lot of hate for you but it goes back to that adage of like it's a thin line between love and hate and it's just like oh wow like that's the that's the beauty of the story so you can't have that yin without the yang here I I agree with you that I would like to see this made into like the four hour, you know, epic movie that it was meant to be. Um, and there's some cool deleted scenes in part two where she's training with uh, like some black samurai guy. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, I you know where that would have fit into the story and things like that. Like, you know, we just we got robbed of of that giant movie but this is what we got and i i agree i remember thinking fucking kill bill volume one was just like it was the most epic shit ever i think we're in the same boat here because i remember when this came out and i watched it in movie theaters like it changed movies for me from that point moving forward i agree i think he you know i that movie was the one that made me want to go back and like revisit everything quentin tarantino had ever made and I'm not just talking about like his mo- like the main movies, like Four Rooms. Uh huh. Very like you know people don't really talk about Four Rooms. Um, um, what's the True Romance? True Romance, Natural Born Killers. Mm-hmm. You know things that he had just barely touched on. You know, and like and I was like I wanted to like find out everything I could about Quentin Tarantino because like he clearly knew movies on a level that most people just we're scratching the surface because I think a lot of times um, we create taste for ourselves. And like, if you're just like a, this, you know, I just like things that are major releases. Well, I mean, there's clearly like cowboy spaghetti, Western style elements in these movies. There's an anime sequence, obviously very influenced by things like Akira. Mm -hmm. You know, I mentioned Akira, the whole bicycle scene, the whole thing that she's in, in volume one, she's, right in the, her motorcycle that's all very akira. akira like there's so many elements to this where it's just like he understands cinema on a level that's just like hot i wouldn't say higher but like well, i guess yeah higher than the average director and um i just you know that one was his slam dunk unfortunately i do think still you know part two i think is a little bit more of a letdown just because you know you had your epic crescendo happened in the first act in the first mm-hmm. movie and the second one is a little more like the come yeah, down yeah and it's it's a little too much like come down i guess for me where it's just like it's a lot of stuff just just like <clears throat> like like a uh, little too much nothing happening i guess <laughs> you know it's a little more explaining things and like than actually showing things which there's also that really long scene where like I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything. I just think part one is beautiful and part two is good. Yeah. And that's 
Yeah, no, I just could not separate them. Like even like in part two, like it keeps going back to like favorite scenes or whatever. Like that whole scene, like where he goes to, where she goes to Mexico, mm-hmm. and you know he's talking to that pimp that's basically Bill's, you know, mm-hmm. father figure and whatnot. And you realize like the actor playing that is that white hillbilly cop, yeah. you know, from the church scene. You're like, oh my god, like yeah. that is incredible acting. Where it's just like I believe this guy is a Mexican pimp. Whereas earlier in the movie, he's a fucking hillbilly cop. Like, yeah. that's just like blows my mind, yeah. you know? And it's just like little things like that. It's just like, I can't leave it on my list. And if this, if you told me that this was supposed to be just one movie, I'm going to cheat here and put them both together. No, yeah, no. I, I like the movie. I think it's, it's fucking wonderful, dude. Yeah. Wonderful shit, bro. Hell yeah. Kill Bill, volume one and two. Okay. So let me see. Um, my next movie. I kind of referenced this one a little while ago when I brought up There Will Be Blood. The director to this next movie talked about, he had this whole thing where he was like, all right, let me talk to you guys about There Will Be Blood. And he talked about how, like, he was blown away by the way he was, he, Daniel Day-Lewis was, like, directed on this movie. Like, he's like, you got dialogue and acting out of this guy and you, told a story that was better than like like you know you basically are dueling with me like you know like this is like he he wouldn't say like i I think what he was trying to say was not that he was insulted by it but it's like like i basically got and he says that he's like he's like basically like there's one dude that's that's like you might be better than me If, if someone's gonna make an argument that i'm not the best director out right now your movie, your your masterpiece, There Will Be Blood, challenges this. So my next movie has to be better than There Will Be Blood. And he talked about, he was doing that interview while he was making this movie that I'm about to talk about. The guy I'm talking about is Quentin Tarantino when he was making Inglorious Bastards. Oh, shit. And, um, yeah. And to me, it's just like, you see that and it's just like, the fact that he felt like this dude just made a fucking masterpiece, I need to make a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. And it can't be a dumb masterpiece. Like, it can't. I can't do another, like, you know, he had, I wouldn't say, like, he went through this weird era where it's like, a lot of people felt the way I felt about Kill Bill Volume 2. And then he did Death Proof, which was, like, not his greatest movie. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it's like, you know, we needed to see him, like, return to return form. To form. And it was him seeing there will be blood where he was like, okay, challenge accepted. People are fucking like forgetting about me. They're saying this guy's better than me. I need to do Inglorious he Bastards. He pulled a Dr. Dre. <laughs> and he fucking made one of the best fucking movies ever. Like, yeah. in fact, I think that's, you know, spoiler alert, this is the only Quentin Tarantino movie I have that was going to make my list here on the on the top 10. I think it's it's my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. I actually did not like this movie the first time I saw same, it. Same, same. I remember thinking like, wow, that was like a lot of dialogue in the beginning. I was just like not that crazy about it. And since then it has become my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie where I love every element. Every shot is so carefully planned. He, You could tell there's a scene, and I don't want to spoil too much about There Will Be Blood, but there's a certain scene where he lets um, – Daniel Day-Lewis, basically like, I need you to go ape shit. And there's a whole scene about milkshakes in in um <laughs> in There Will Be Blood. 
And I think he does something vi- like it's like who is gonna who about. is gonna fucking like outduel the milkshake line from There Will Be Blood, and he brings in like the the main Nazi guy, the Jew hunter, yeah, and he opens it up with the most like chilling fucking intro scene, a twenty minute dialogue scene where he's basically like hunting these people, and he does it just as chilling as Down Day Luke. Like it was just like. Like now that you know the story between those two movies, it is kind of like oh, this is my element. rebuttal to your like amazing dialogue, yes, but I'm gonna like, and that's you know, a, it's and, revolving around milk. He's a dairy farmer. Yeah, the guy he's was, talking to. Yeah, and it was just like, can I have a a, a <laughs> glass of your most delicious milk? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's 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 uh, a coincidence at all. It's fucking genius. It's fucking beautiful. It's wow. like violent. I never knew that. It's like. I I highly recommend it, like watching those two movies back to back, because like you see where he's just like I don't want to say like he's sitting there taking notes and like how mm. I'm gonna fucking like outduel this guy. I like it though. But uh, I I loved it. I was just like I didn't realize Quentin Tarantino was that passionate about the other one is Boogie Nights where he's like I have to outduel him. He did Boogie Nights and Boogie Nights was better than my movie, and like I was just like. Man, I didn't know he felt that passionate about like this other dude's work. Like, oh wow, where he just, you know, he geeks out over this other dude's work and like, but yeah, there, you know, there will be blood was the direct consequence of this one. I fucking love this movie. I get the chills when I see that opening twenty minute dialogue scene where he's doing that. Even the scene where they have like that Mexican standoff situation going on at the at the, the basement. The basement, like, I think that's amazing. The closing scene, like everything about this movie was just like perfect. Perfection. Yeah, like I loved it. At first I thought it was too long, too much dialogue, but now I'm like You get it. Everything about this is fucking brilliant. It didn't I have loved, an anime scene. Yeah, no anime <laughs> scene, but like fucking brilliant. Love the movie. And when I mentioned earlier about like movies that they're gonna make <laughs> my top ten list because I have to stay up till two o'clock to finish. This is the movie that I was referencing in it because my girl she was searching for something to put on like while we were putting on uh, putting up the Christmas tree, mm-hmm. and like we've already seen Elf and all that shit and Home Alone like a few times like already you know before we started putting the tree up, and she just randomly put this on and I was like oh okay damn, and again you get sucked into every scene, and you're like okay I'll finish this scene like where you know he's at the dairy farmer's house you know getting the jeans yeah. out from underneath the floorboards. And then it moves on to the next part. And then it goes into the next part. And before you know it, it's 2.30 in the morning. And I'm like, I just, I got to finish this movie. And that's the movie I'm talking about. Here. Yeah. You know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and spoiler alert, I mean, it makes an appearance later on on my list. Um, maybe next episode, but not this one. But yeah, 100% agree. Uh, a, a pure I, perfection of a movie. I, you know, I recommend watching that, you know, watching those two movies back to back. There's, there's that thing, and not to spoil anything, but there the thing that he's referencing is like this very threatening thing where Dan Day Lewis is basically going ape shit, and he's just like, he's like, the thing you don't understand is you have a milkshake, and I have a milkshake, and I drink your milkshake. Your milkshake's gone, and like to me, like it's just like. As you watch it, like no other actor could have done that, and not to you know, obviously that movie didn't make my list of these top ten things, but you know him thinking like, oh, that's almost like us talking about our movies, and you're saying like your movie's so much better than my movie, and like, 
and he's like, I need to rebuttal this by opening a scene talking about milk. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just genius. Like, it's it's so it's like it's playful competition, and yeah. I love it. Like, I think it's it these makes it two masters of, of of cinema putting these these movies together. I just love it. But anyways, all right, what's your movie? Uh, number eight. Um, I know this is going to be a very Jacob pick. Yeah. <laughs> you had your art pick, uh, but we talked about this last week uh, towards the end of our Patreon, um, and it is number eight is 1994's Forrest Gump. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. So I know um, you had not grew up watching Forrest Gump, yeah. and uh, it was one of those movies you said that you had not, you know, ever watched. And when you watched it, you were a little bit disappointed because everyone had told you. You gotta watch Forrest Gump. You gotta watch Forrest yeah. Gump. You gotta watch yeah. Forrest Gump. You gotta watch Forrest Gump. And I don't know. Maybe it's a bit of nostalgia. I don't know what it is. But everybody that I know that grew up with me, it's kind of like a Friday, it, like the movie Friday. Like you watch this movie, you know, as it comes out. I believe also in 1994 as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it just sticks with you for the rest of your life. Even me and my girl, like, we'll quote this movie like continuously. And it's again just. It has like the big, you know, numbers like about, you know, like stupid is a stupid does. And, you know, but there's other things like, you know, where, you know, there's it's this this background story of uh, him and uh, Jenny, uh, where it's like Jenny taught me how to, you know, read and I taught her how to dangle. And then like there's other lines, too, where it's like me and Jenny was like peas and carrots kind of thing. And it's like it's little lines like that, like like with Friday, like I was saying, it's just like such a quotable film. And it's such a like not a feel good movie like his the basically the whole story of his life is he walks through all these important moments through history right mm-hmm. but the only thing that matters to him is this girl Jenny who he gets but he doesn't get kind of thing it's like this cat and mouse kind of thing and she's a whore then <laughs> <laughs> he finally gets her whatnot and then she dies it's like this horrible like like in retrospect like horrible like movie that like fucks you up at the end, like spoiler, Forrest Gump's been out forever or whatnot. Jenny dies or whatnot. But that scene where Tom Hanks, it like still gets me every time I watch it. Where like he's at Jenny's grave and he goes, "I loved you, Jenny." I'm like, "God damn it, Jenny, you fucking bitch!" Like you can't help but like feel his pain. Like like Tom Hanks does like a, such a good job acting. Maybe it's not Daniel Day Lewis talking about yeah, milkshakes yeah. or whatever, but you're like you get so <laughs> invested like in this guy's story. <laughs> That you're like, damn it! Like he almost gets the girl, and then she fucking dies of can or dies of fucking AIDS and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? um, yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's a bad movie, but I uh, like I said a couple of I think on a Patreon, um, it's it's definitely like I watched it and I was like, all right, so like I don't really understand the big hype about it. I mean, <laughs> it's just it's not a bad movie, but it. I don't know. I mean, I mentioned like how a lot of people think like Avatar was like the highest grossing movie of like all time or whatever. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and I don't think like I wasn't like I haven't seen Avatar actually, but it's not like a movie that I've ever wanted to be like, well, I got to find out what this is all about. Yeah. That's how I felt about Forrest Gump. And then when I finally watched it, I mean, I wasn't like this sucks or anything, mm. but just like not. It, it's such a like. 90s movie like i don't think you can make a movie like this now yeah. it's not like the 80s i don't think you can do that in the 80s like but it's such a product of its time and i think that's one of the big things i love about it it's a, it's very much a boomer movie it's all it's based around like the vietnam era and whatnot but like like i just love everything about it and i know we talk on the patreon about like you know disney pin training and shit and like how you can ask like the cast members for trivia 
um, there's like this movie got so popular that there's like this chain of restaurants called Bubba Gump's, right? Yeah, I've been to Bubba Gump. Yeah, and delicious shrimp, by the way. And um, they'll do this thing like where they'll do trivia with you, right? You know, you know what's funny? So I did that um, one time when I think I was in San Francisco. They had the Bubba Gump there, and I only went there um, with like the girl that I was dating at the time. Because it was the cheapest restaurant on like the on the on the pier or whatever. Okay. So like everything else was like starts at sixty dollars, and then like, I saw bubble gum shrimp, and it was like starts at twenty dollars a plate, and I was like, oh okay, all right, that's more of my yeah, budget. Yeah. So like, um, they asked us the trivia, and I had not seen the movie when they asked us the trivia, but I knew all the answers just because I the movie was just like like you can't escape the movie, like it was just like you know. I know enough about Avatar that it's just like <laughs> that I could probably answer some Avatar trivia, you know. Like it's it's just one Who of those directed things. Avatar, like James if, Cameron. Like if yeah. you, yeah, like 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 Pulp Fiction. Like even if you've never seen Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. I'm sure you could like answer some Pulp Fiction trivia. Royal like, with cheese. Yeah. yeah, it's just like which two actors danced on? You know, it's like oh, no, oh, okay, it's just like yeah. That. Yeah, they they probably got you like on a fucking easy night or whatever. But I remember yeah. we went to the one at Universal Studios like years ago, me and a few uh-huh. friends, and like I was just killing it. I was like, "Bring it on!" Like I fucking know everything about this movie. Bring it on! And like the waitress, like she's like, "Well, let me go get my manager because no one's answered this many questions in a row and whatnot, uh-huh. right?" And I was like, "Oh shit!" Like they probably just say that to everybody, Jake. Probably because that's the same thing. But don't kill my fucking mother <laughs> right here, right? <laughs> But they got like the manager, and he's like, "All right, here's the tough questions or whatever. If you can answer these five, what in a row- variation of AIDS did Jenny have?" <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! She Africanized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Africanized you AIDS. <laughs> that Africanized AIDS got me a fucking free shrimp platter. Okay. <laughs> here's your free. Free ice cream bowl with a churro on top. <laughs> Compliments of the chef. <laughs> I do think it's funny that there is that restaurant, Bubba Gum Shrimps. Uh-huh. Are they related to each other? Like, does the yeah. owner of the book, or is there well, a I book don't know. or something? I, I mean, I don't know how the, the, the business side of it works, but yeah, that's the whole reason why that restaurant exists. Is, what, because is this based on a book? Sorry, I don't even know if that's yes. true. I said that. Yeah. Okay, all right. I didn't... I. Yeah, I don't know. It's just that's a that's a weird thing. Like I can't think of like anything else that's like that. Like um, Star Wars. I mean, has that shit? Huh? Well, there's no like Star Wars restaurant. Yeah, there uh, is in Disneyland. In Disneyland, yeah. But that's like saying like, dude, they have the fucking like Transformers cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> like, like no, I mean, yeah, but it's they like, don't do trivia in that. Yeah, yeah, like no, I mean, like, but there's no like, but you can like, there's a bubblegum shrimp and like. All over the place. There's yeah, bubblegum shrimp. Santa shrimps. Monica, I guess San Francisco, Universal, Long Beach. I think basically anywhere there's a, like an ocean. If there's a wharf. Like yeah. if the word wharf is around, they'll probably show up with the bubblegum shrimp. And then they just put a bunch of bubblegum shrimp like, all over the everywhere. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just love the movie. Like, he, like Forrest is such a likable character. You know, all the people that come into his <laughs> life, like fucking Lieutenant Dan. Like, yeah. Like, I remember me and my friend Tyler, he's been on this podcast. Like, we used to, like, reenact, like, the scene with, like, when Lieutenant Dan's legs get blown off or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He goes, <laughs> he's like, they gave you. <laughs> like I actually he, don't know the lines. Oh, God damn it. 
So anyways, like Lieutenant Dan said, like, I'll be, if you get a shrimp boat, like I'll be your first captain or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so like there was, it was me like, like crawling around on the floor, pretending like my legs were gone or whatever. And like Mm -hmm. yelling at Tyler saying like, they gave you the congressional medal or whatever. Right. And then like, I'm doing the whole fucking, like I ain't got no legs kind of thing and shit, pretending Mm -hmm. I'm Lieutenant Dan and shit. And yeah. I don't know. I can't do it in front of you if you don't know. No, the no. I, ever, actually, I, I don't know the movie that well. Like I've only, I've only seen it in its entirety like once, and I've seen like bits and pieces of it like a trillion times. Yeah. So it's. I uh, really wish you would watch it a trillion times so yeah. I can reenact fucking Lieutenant yeah. Dan. With Sorry, I don't, I don't. I know Lieutenant Dan, and like, uh, I think he did a really good job in his like acting. Gary like, Sinise. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did a good job. Um, but. Yeah, no, I know. I'm sure that's a lot of people's favorite movie, like of all time. Like that's it's a classic for a reason. You hey, know? it beat Pulp Fiction for the best picture of the yeah. year. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's like to me, it's like, uh, like, uh, like Citizen Kane. Like, uh-huh. like, um, it's it's good, but it's not like my thing. You know, like yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. But yeah. Anyways, but yeah, yeah, solid, solid pick, dude. Forrest Gump, baby. <laughs> that is a good trivia question, though. Yeah. Just so you know, that's what kind of AIDS you had? Africanized killer AIDS. <laughs> um, all right. Man. All right. My number seven movie, I actually put this one here in like a haha ironic type of thing, but my number seven movie is the movie Seven oh. by David Fincher. Nice. Um, I was just like, you know what? When I put my list together of my favorite movies, that was in there, and I was like, let me just put it at seven because who cares? Yeah. But um, yeah, I fucking love this movie. This is one of the movies when I started when I was young and I started to connect the dots in my head of like movies that I liked and I was like, "Well, I love Fight Club. Mm. I love 7." Like I was just like putting all these movies Zodiac. I was like, "This is incredible." Yeah. And like um it it kind of hit me like this is all the same fucking director. Like I mm. I really really like this director. And 7 was probably like the early, early on one that was like my favorite one, even though like Fight Club was probably more popular at the time, Seven was always like, damn, this is like fucking genius, dude. Like I used to like always just quote this with my sisters, and which is like a weird thing to quote. What's in the box? Not so much that one, but there's like a line where he's like, uh, having a library card doesn't make, or yeah, having a library card doesn't make you Yoda. Like that to me was always like the thing that we would always say to each other. And, like, just, I just, I love this movie. It's just, like, to me, it's, like, this is what later on would become things like the movie, the Saw franchise, where uh, it's just more, yeah. like, like, gore porn type things. Yeah. And this is, like, the smart version of that. Yeah. Like, he was making an intelligent serial killer movie where, like. Bad shit happened. Yeah, and it's, it just so happened we saw, like, the bad shit, disgusting stuff happen. Mm-hmm. But he has such a good eye for, like, <clears throat> capturing the, like, middle class, upper middle class guy and putting him in, like, a dingy, dark situation. And he does that in a lot of his movies. Like, I think, actually, most of the movies, there's at least one scene where he takes, like, that character and puts it in, like, a darker, like, you know nasty blood soaked you know room or whatever you know mm-hmm. and like i love that about that that was the first movie where i really noticed that you know you have like the detectives going through like these like really dingy situations dark you know like the fucking like sex dungeon room or whatever uh-huh. where the dude has like a dildo shaped like a knife or whatever like it gets pretty dark yeah but like 
it keeps going back to these two main characters that are just like living their normal life and how they're both dealing with their normal life. One of them thinks he's dealing with it really well. And the other one is admitting to himself that he's not dealing with it very well. <laughs> and so like, I love that like dynamic. A dude that kind of in a way lies to himself to just get through the, the hard, the, the hard, ugly shit that he sees every day. And the other guy that's done lying to himself. Mm. And like, I just love that element of it. Like, I just, I just think it's, I wouldn't say a perfect movie, but it, you know, this is at the point of the, li- you know, all my it's top great- 10, I do think that they're all like elements of like close to perfection. And this is like one it, of my all time favorite, like when movies. I th- when I think of seven, I always think of those movies that you're not going to see on TNT <laughs> on yeah. a Saturday night or whatever on, you know, uh, basic cable. It's going to be that movie that they show at 10 o'clock on HBO on a free HBO weekend. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, we're yeah. talking about the nineties and shit. And it's going to be a good one that they hype up. Like, you got to stay up till 10 to watch this movie. It's got some naughty stuff in it. But yeah, it's not, again, like, it's not like Saw where it's dumb naughty. It's going to be like, ooh, this is a good movie kind of thing where you're going to go to the video store and rent it a bunch of times. Or if you have enough money, go buy it on fucking, you know, Blu-ray or DVD yeah. and shit. You know, and that's what, it, it's it's one of those type of movies. You're 100% right. Like, it didn't make my list, yeah. but it's like definitely like, ooh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Like, Zodiac, just like, just a great fucking film to put on. Yeah. This was actually like the first time in a weird way would foreshadow things that he would do later on. Now that he uses like Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross as like his main two mm-hmm. musical score guys. The a match intro, made in heaven, by the yeah, way. The intro music to the song is a Nine Inch Nails yep. remix, the Closer to God remix <clears throat> to, to the song Closer. It's... It's just a beautiful intro. I just I just love David Fincher. Um you know, we mentioned, you know, the the uh uh I was gonna call him Wes Anderson, another great director by the way, but but uh Paul not, Thomas. Paul yeah, Paul Anderson Thomas, like the, the Thomas Anderson. Oh yeah. Paul Paul Anderson? Paul, Paul Thomas Th- Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> Wait, what did I call him? The first Paul time? Anderson Thomas. So sorry, yes, but you saw like the you know the the arguing between those two directors, and really to me it's like David Fincher is. I don't want to say better because I don't know. Like you, to me, when you're comparing art, like I I don't know. There's, He's like there's, in a class by himself though. Like does he have a peer? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I would say that the only thing closer to him is probably like a Christopher Nolan. But even Christopher Nolan kind of gets a little douchey for my taste. Where I'm like, oh no, that dude, David. Yeah, David Fincher is way like it's like a that's him. And then when I, not to go off on a tangent about Christopher Nolan, but I think Christopher Nolan is a little over ambitious. Like he can just stay like in a sweet spot and make a perfectly fine classic. Yeah. But he like overshoots himself a lot. Yeah. Like that's, that's always the problem I have with like his movies. Like the reason why I didn't put like Inception, like even like on my like honorable mentions, cause there's a lot of bullet, they, there's like, it's like two and a half hours and like 30 minutes of that could have been cut out kind of thing. Yeah. I do think that, you know, Memento was one of my honorable mentions, but like that's very early on. And I think sometimes you need to have like checks and balances and that sort of thing. And I think Interstellar was the movie where I was like, oh man, dude, like you, yeah. you lost a step here, bro. Yeah. And I think he's, you know, I do think um, Oppenheimer was good. 
but it's Oppenheimer is not a movie that I like ever feel the need to like watch again. Yeah, I feel like I like <laughs> I need like time, like I need to request a day off to watch that. Yeah, kind of thing. I did watch Tenet, and I will say that I know Tenet didn't review that well, and I do think that the main actor, Denzel's son, <laughs> is like not the greatest actor. Like the apple has fallen far from the tree on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyways, but back to David Fincher, I think. David Fincher's eye for like making a movie mm-hmm. and like the textures. Like if you watch Fight Club, like a lot of the te- like you know like they look very similar to the movies. There is a David Fincher look to his movies. Oh yeah, and I think this dark is and one grimy, of the, yeah yeah this is one of the fr- it's dark and grimy, but at the same time like there's movies and elements like the Social Network. Also, you know, was my number ten early on. Like the Social Network is very clean looking. Like. There's moments where they're like at high end fancy bars and all this stuff, uh, you know, nightclub type situations and all this stuff. But then there's again, it goes to like these darker elements every once in a while where it'll get green, like dark all of a sudden. And it's like I love that about like the David Fincher eye of like having something clean and beautiful and pristine, and then something dark and gringy to balance it out all the time. Yeah. So I like that about him. But yeah, number seven, seven. Nice. <laughs> I like you. Yeah. You put it at seven too. <laughs> All right. Another kind of cop out, but not so much because I think part one is going to be um, where I land with this at my number seven. But I put down on here the Godfather series. Mm-hmm. The entire series. Yes, even part three. Even part three. Let's focus on part three then. Yeah, no, let's I'm just no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I just feel like you know the Godfather. It's it's a, it's a it's like like with. Kill Bill, like it's it's a complete story, right? Mm-hmm. You know, not like one of those Hollywood things, like oh, the part one did good. Let's 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 put in part two, you know, and then part three and part four, you know. And mm-hmm. Before you know, it, it's like the Fast and Furious and whatnot. No, no, that's not the thing. Like this is the story about Vito and Michael Corleone, kind of thing, and like their down, their rise and fall, if you will. Um, you go on a lot of lists; it's always ranked either the top movie of all time or. Uh, one of the top movies of all time, like a Citizen Kane or whatnot. And I remember back like in high school, like when after watching Kill Bill, like I was like, man, I really want to get into movies. I want to see all the great cinema that has been out there or whatnot. And like Godfather was like just one of those movies where it's like, yeah, this is the greatest movie of all time and whatnot, right? And like Inglorious Bastards, I remember watching it for the first time and not liking it. Like it just felt too old. It felt before my time. And I was like, yeah, maybe it's something that I'm missing or whatnot, right? So something happened where um, I would remember a certain scene, and I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good scene. Let me go pop in the DVD again and like watch it again and whatnot, right? And then before you know it, and this is a really long movie. I don't know how the exact, the part one, by the way. I don't have the exact run time on it, but uh, it's like almost a three-hour movie. Let me look it up. You're right. They are very long movies. All of them are very long. Let's just say all of them are three hours long. Like They're like the Lord of the Rings, like the extended cut or whatever, right? But a lot is going on. Uh, but before you know it, again, like I said, like like something just kept drawing. It, every time I thought I was out, something kept bringing me back in. You yeah. Know, to quote part three. And it, it's two hours and 55 minutes for the first one. Yes. Three hour movie. Yeah. And then Damn. part two is no fucking, <laughs> you know, fucking cheap thriller. Um, speaking of part two, you know, part one ends up being like one of my favorite movies of all time. 
Three and, hours and 22 minutes for part two. Yeah, because you're seeing, like, basically, again, like a Kill Bill, you're basically seeing two movies in one. You're seeing a young Vito Corleone, which is Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. and then a young Michael Corleone, you know, both coming up in, you know, their family, you know, as the head, the dawn of, you know, their mafia family, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vito coming over from Sicily, you know, over to New York and whatnot. And then Michael, you know, having to deal with, you know, the aftermath of, like, his father passing away and, the mob moving from you know New York to Las Vegas and all this shit and whatnot. So it's 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 almost it's historical in a way because a lot of this is based upon uh, historical fact, like within the mafia and whatnot, right? Like even like that guy at the beginning of part one, the 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 crooner at Connie's wedding, like that's Frank Sinatra's story, you mm-hmm. know, where he used the mob to you know get over and to get into movies and whatnot, if you will. So it's a history lesson, but it's really well done. Francis Ford Coppola, it's a very romantic looking movie. Like when you think of like Italy, like that's like he put that in in mind like when he was making it. It's very romantic, like the romantic era of like, you know, Renaissance painting and whatnot. And like that's it's like an opera. It's more of a like an opera than it is a film kind of thing. And I think once you realize that, you're like, oh, wow, like this is the masterpiece everyone was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I know part three gets a lot of flack. Is, and- Fra- is part three also directed by Francis Ford Coppola? Yes. Oh. Yeah. And- you know, part three is actually the one that's like, it was inspired like all by true events. Mm-hmm. And like, it's the one that gets crapped on the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of How weird. like the... Um, what the is it? Ca- the, the Catholic Church was like the Vatican. The yeah. Vatican and all. This. Yeah, yeah. It, it is like you know they were just like, well, let's do this. This is a cool story that happened in real life. Mm-hmm. But it is it is the least interesting one, really, because you're right. The first two movies, it it is you know, I don't want to like the thing that I would compare it to is like the hero's journey and like this like weird backwards world type situation. Um, and like I I like that about it that it you know it almost has a very like Lord of the Rings vibe obviously completely different yeah. element but like you know we we see like the hero's journey in those movies that they're very long and drawn out for a reason because we're seeing the developments of these characters and like part 2 I think does a really good job of like the young days or whatever like I I, I don't know I mean it's a really like long movie you do have to have some patience with it um but it doesn't like part two i didn't know it was longer than part one i always thought yeah. part one felt longer than part two and I, I think that's a testament that where like you get this adage where like the godfather part two is like one of the only movies to be considered the only sequel for a while i mean marvel would change this <laughs> that were like the origin or the sequel is better than the original kind of thing mm-hmm. and i think it's because you get lost in that story of Vito's ascent and michael's downfall kind of thing because mm-hmm. it's mirroring stories of a father and a son and it's very well done it's very beautiful and it's the way it's shot like it's dark. It, like when I think of the term sepia, I think of the Godfather series, mm-hmm. except for part three. It's more, that one has more of a nineties edge to it or whatever. Right. But, um, even to go into part three, I added in there with it because there's certain scenes where it's just like, okay, this is where it's going to take off to from here. And you get like that line that, you know, uh, Al Pacino says where he goes, I think I'm out and they drag me back in. 
And like, it's true, you know, with like this world where like, you're never gone from it. It's always something that's going to be following you till like the end of the time. Mm -hmm. And like, even I remember one time, um, after I graduated college where I was, all I was doing was just working at target until I got a call from like a, you know, a a reputable employer (laughs) to Uh help me move out of my mom's house. I remember I sat down for like a whole week watching the whole trilogy, like this actual box set right here. And it was just like going to ingest it little by little every night and whatnot. And I remember by by the time I got to part three and I got to the end of part three, like it was just like, man, that was such a beautiful story that I just watched. Like I remember just like crying, not because Jenny died or, you know, something bad happened or whatever, just because I was like, man, that was just beautiful. And like that's why The Godfather, like the series always just has like that beautiful or just has like that special place in my heart. I think directors like that, like Francis Ford Coppola, just have an eye for creating beautiful things. Like maybe because it's like more dudes that like grew up listening to like Frank Sinatra or something like yeah, that, yeah. or like, you know, Italian heritage, New York style stuff, you know, like that just, there's a beauty to like, even like the food, like the wine and the cheese and like mm-hmm. the pot, like the beauty of creating that sort of thing. And he, it's so well captured in these movies that, um, maybe i don't know like it was just like you know it's just it's a it's a really beautiful like you're right i mean i'm not i don't think it's like meant to be completely beautiful the whole time but there are like such like you know if this if a romantic comedy was filmed in the same way where they're going off to sicily or whatever you know yeah yeah like like you probably wouldn't bat an eye type of thing you know what's that movie like for water for chocolate or something like that yeah like (laughs) It kind of reminds me of that. Like, I know it's like a really weird thing to bring up, but like, it kind of has that vibe to it, mm-hmm. I guess, where it's like it it could have been directed by the same person, <laughs> yeah. I think. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's really really cool movie. Yeah. Anyways, movies, I guess. Although I'll be honest with you, I I know people really shit on part three. I've only watched like thirty minutes of like the part three when I and I get it. It's not as like it doesn't hold a candle to part one yeah. or two at all. But I mean, you got to think like after like the time frame that what seventy one and seventy two that those movies came in, and then all of a sudden in nineteen ninety three or whatever it was, you're gonna like make this movie. Um, yeah, it doesn't match up like the 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 quality like because you, you can watch one and two like back to back, you know, all day and not miss a beat. But then part three, they're like, oh wow, like that's it's it's jarring because like it's better technology and whatnot, and the actors look different, they talk different, and you know, you got Francis Ford, you got Sofia Coppola, you know, in there and she can't act worth a shit. And then you got some Cuban in there playing, you know, the cousin that, you know, becomes Andy Garcia. He's in there and you're like, wait a minute. And you know, like that doesn't match up a little bit, but it, it once you look past it, you just look at the story that's being told. Like to me, like I don't have a problem with that movie. Now, am I going to put it on after we get done recording? Probably not. But if you tell me like, hey, like I got some extra time this holiday weekend, like we're gonna have a Godfather week, I'm like, yeah, you better motherfucking put yeah. it on part three. I kind of want to do watch the first two movies at least, like watch them again because it's been a minute since I've seen those movies. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, that's a pretty solid pick. Yes, thank you. Yeah. All right, your number six. My number six, and I guess this is where we're stopping the list, right at the six. My number six. This is a movie. You know, I probably. You know, could have put this 
much higher. This is a movie that I was considering all the way to one. Oh wow! Really? So I would say from here on out, all of these movies could have been like number one. Like, yeah. and they all from this point on like deserve to have the number one spot. But at this point, I started ranking them in the sense of like, how often do I watch these movies? All like a lot of the, you know, where was I in my life when these movies started to like you know matter more and more and more. Uh, but this is a movie for a long time. It was kind of sad and pathetic. But I used to, when we would get off work from Target, we'd get off pretty late. And I would put this movie on, like, I would say, like, 60% of the time. I would put this movie on and just fall asleep watching it. It's because I loved it so much. And it just felt so, like, dreamy to me. And, like, it just felt so, like, you know, like, uh, perfect. To me, it's, like, this is like perfect cinema, I guess, where it's just like, I wish I would have been like alive or like, you know, when this movie came out so I could see it in theaters and it's a taxi driver, by oh. Martin Scorsese. Um, and like just the first like opening scene of New York city and all these things, like I absolutely loved it. Like uh, to me, it was just like, the beauty of of really what he's trying to show you is the ugliness of New York City, but first uh-huh. presented as like a beautiful thing and like the duality of like these two worlds of like of Travis's character and like the mm-hmm. things that he's encountering and like another one of those very kind of hero journey, but in a backwards kind of way that Correct. he's he in his mind he views himself as this hero, as this guy who like is the is the blueprint to what needs to happen to save the world when in reality he's like part of the problem yeah he's like the most toxic dude a dude that's like (laughs) can barely sleep and like addicted to pill they you know it's just a background thing where it's just like you know very unhealthy dude who like has like it was obsessed about a woman but trying to save women you know it's like Mm -hmm. very misogynistic in a way but he sees himself as that hero it's a genius, genius movie. I love like every shot about this. It just, I, I love the music to this movie. Like, I, I just, I like, dude. This is like one of, of this list, and I've loved every single movie I've mentioned so far. But this is the first one that like really like makes me like, dude. I like, I this is like if you haven't seen this movie, watch it. Like this is incredible cinema to me. Like this is like, this is a masterclass of like. How you make a movie? We talked about this when we talked about. Did we talk about Joker in like a Patreon or something like that? And I, I talked about so. how like Joker is kind of a modern day version of this, but to me it was too close of a ripoff to to be Taxi like, Driver. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, and I love Taxi Driver, like you know, but I don't want to see Taxi Driver as a Joker type of thing. And that's why <laughs> I didn't really jive with it. Jive with that movie, but to me, like, man, this movie is just incredible. Like, I. I just I wish the Fox Theater would show this. Like I just want to see this in like an old school theater type scenario, just because like I or I wish you know Quentin Tarantino's theater would show it. You know, like, that's, I that's what be, I want to do for my birthday. Sometimes I want to go to that New Beverly yeah. and like watch like something there. I don't care if it's Casper the Friendly Ghost or whatever. Like he he like just makes like that classic uh, theater aspect in there. Like he knows what he's doing, kind of thing. And that would again, that would be a perfect movie to watch in a theater like that, a throwback theater like that, because it's such an old school classic, right? Like, yeah. he, like the way where we're at with movies now, it's just like 
we're we're into the Marvel classics now, right? Like Infinity War, Endgame kind of thing, like or Oppenheimer, like where's this big blockbuster kind of thing. But like when when Taxi Driver came out, like it was very much like word of mouth or, you know, the critics in the newspaper saying like, Hey, this is like one of the most important films you better go out and see kind of thing. And like people literally be like that, just slow trickle into the theaters kind of thing. And you're right. Like I would love to watch this in the Fox theater, like in an old school setting or the Quentin Tarantino theater, if you will, um, in Hollywood. But, um, it's one of those ones like where it easily could have been in my top 10 and it's like one of those ones where it's like I kick myself like, wow, why didn't I put it on there? And you mentioned the music, and I think that's the one thing that holds it back. Like, I hate like that. Like, Really? I actually love that, that like... Bernard Herman, I think, is who did it. That, yeah. Like that, like, so sad to, jazz. To, to me, it's like you always have to put music and, like, movies that, like, marry each other really well. Mm-hmm. Like, I mentioned... Um, Actually, I didn't mention it, but like you know, there's just like um, one of the movies that was in my top twenty was um, "It Follows," and oh, the yeah. soundtrack to "It Follows" is made by a band or a musical duo called Disaster Piece, and those two movies are just married so well together. To me, this like sad jazz element feels like that like New York in the rain type of scenario where it's like you like. You, you it to me it feels like you're sitting at an old italian restaurant like watching the rain from like like that to me you know like it's it's meant for that scenario like specifically like it's not meant for like you know you can't put like california love here like it's <laughs> it's meant for like an, a a person of that era to be listening to like the the Frank Sinatra element of it mm-hmm. i i like that element to it it like it it just to me it's just it's very beautiful. It's very dark. It's very like, it's a good conversation piece that, you know, not only that though, like, like the, the job Robert De Niro does like in that movie. And these are two straight movies that have like Robert De Niro and whatnot. Right. And like that, where he's like that guy where you're like, Oh dude, any minute now, like he could be dead. Yeah. And then when he goes into like full on psychopath mode where he, you know, has the mohawk and like, that very famous scene, like where he's in the mirror, you know, getting ready, like talking to himself, like you're he's talking, like, talking to, to me. me. Yeah. Like everything about like that is just like, oh wow, like this, this is like one of the greatest actors, if not the greatest actor of all time, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was watching um, this like YouTube video a while back about this movie, and I wasn't prepared to talk about this movie today, but in that YouTube video, they were talking about how like. You know, he's kind of like this weird cowboy type of thing. They even tell him, like, some guys, like, hey, you got a palm cowboy or something like that? Like, he's constantly in this, like, cowboy mentality of, like, being that Western hero. And then, like, when he shaves his head into that mohawk, it's more representative to be, like, the the Native American Indian type of thing. And somebody mm-hmm. went in, like, total, like, geek mode on this. Yeah. And, like, I, I could see how this is that kind of movie where, like, you can really, like, break down shot for shot, like, scene for scene, like, how it is. To me, it's, it's like, a total, like, it's it's a psycho, psychological thriller before there were, like, psychological thrillers. And mm-hmm. it was, like, it's just, it's, it's just so beautiful to me. Like, I just, I just love how, like, bloody and aggressive 
it is, and yet there's like so much gentleness to the movie too. Mm-hmm. I just I know he's uh, out there trying to save like a fourteen year old prostitute. Yeah. And shit. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird because I don't think about those those scenes too much. Where it's like that's Jodie Foster as a child, or like um, Hybe Keitel or whatever, and he's all like all fucking buff bodybuilder or whatever. Like yeah. I knew him as Mister White. As like old old man already, you know. So it's like to see him like all buff or whatever. Like I can't, I can't see <laughs> With that. pimp hair. Yeah, it's like I can't unsee that shit, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, this is my what number six. Yeah, I number fucking six. I fucking love this movie. Incredible movie. Nice. Yeah, I love that movie too. Uh, just the music is what kept it off the top ten. It made it just an honorable <laughs> mention. So I'll uh, <clears throat> I'll I'll leave it at that. But um, my number six um, is a movie I think you left off of your um, top ten as an honorable mention. Uh, but one that was just like, man, like I just love this movie. And again, to go back to the adage, just so fucking quotable. Mm-hmm. When it comes on, you think to yourself, all right, I'll just stick around for this scene. Did I leave it off or did I n- have not talked about it yet? No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea what you're going to say, oh, okay. to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, it's, again, another one of those movies. Like You're like, okay, I'll finish this scene and then I'll go to bed. No, this is totally a movie you have to finish all the way to the end. And I love the fact that like the end is really the beginning of this movie kind of thing because it's all out of sequence, and it kind of brought that to the forefront. And what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, Quentin Tarantino's movie, Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah, I mean, that was in that was like my number like 11 in my top oh, okay. 20 type of movies. Yeah, I absolutely love that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's one of those movies like that, it, you better own if you're a, somebody from our generation you better own it this yeah. better be in your library yeah 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 no I, absolutely like it's i i don't know like like to me like when you watch um reservoir dogs like it has like age like you could tell like it is of the time when I watch this, I mean, there's little scenes in this movie that like have not aged, like the big fucking cell phones and things like that. Like <laughs> Marcel Wallace. And yeah, shit. it's like things like that have not aged that well. But for the most part, it's aged pretty damn good. Like yeah. it is a really, really good movie. It holds up really, really well. Like the jokes still land. Like everything still is good. All the dialogue is very fresh. Correct. Like I, I love the movie. My favorite scene in that is that dance sequence when they. Uh, when they get up and like do that dance together. Oh yeah. And and you know you didn't me- you mentioned you didn't like the music to to Taxi Driver, which I liked, but I do think the music in this one is a plus. Like it's like it's it's w- really put Quentin Tarantino on the map. It's like dude, this guy knows how to pick musical like you know sequences to his movies. Where it's like I remember like everybody owned that soundtrack too like that soundtrack yeah. was like fucking iconic yeah and like and it's like songs too like there's like that to that they will put popular songs in movies like you know Creed's Killer Water Revival you know like Forrest Gump they had that in there like of course you're gonna put that in there or the Mamas and the Papas you know California Dreaming or whatever yeah of course you're gonna put the hits in and whatnot but Quentin Tarantino has an eye for putting in like a song that might have been popular in its time, but it's not popular now, but he's going to make it popular again kind of thing. Like that girl, doom, 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 yeah. you'll be a woman soon. And then the whole like dance sequence or whatever yeah. that you never can tell by Chuck Berry and whatnot. Yeah. And one of my favorite um, scenes from a movie that he does that is not going to make my list, 
but like it's one of my favorite scenes of all time is in Death Proof where uh, Kurt Russell's getting that lap dance. Mm-hmm. And it's like that song, um, I think it's by the Down Coast. in Mexico. Yeah, Down in Mexico. And like, not only does he like pick a great spot for that song and rejuvenates that song or whatever, but he also remasters the song as well. So he gives it like a whole new breath of fresh air, which they just put that version on Apple Music. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And it's just like, it's just so perfect. And that's basically Pulp Fiction in, in a small cube. It's just like almost two hours of like him like rejuvenating uh john travolta's career catapulting fucking uh samuel L. jackson's career i mean yeah, yeah. Jam- samuel jackson at that point had already been in jurassic park and goodfellas but he was just some random dude in the background here he's like the main dude getting nominated for an academy award and shit yeah and so it, it to me like again like you said with seven it's just like one of those movies where it's like every scene is lit so perfectly as well and I think when I think of this movie too, I always think of like L.A. and like there's the different facets of L.A. You know, like the uh, towards the end, like where they have to bury the dead body or get rid of the dead body. Wa- yeah, they go to the valley. Like they perfectly encapsulates the valley. Uh, when you know they're at Marcellus Wallace's pad, that perfectly encapsulates you know some you know gangsters you know uh, <laughs> you know stomping grounds, if you will, mm-hmm. like that whole. Uh, the, that shop that you know Bruce Willis has to go to, where the Gimp's at. Like I can totally see that being you know somewhere outside of downtown LA and shit. Like it's just so perfect and captures the time. I'm blanking out on the guy that he originally wanted to play Bruce Willis's role. Um, it was like one of those like '90s heartthrob guys, and I'm blanking out on his name. I so think it was River Phoenix. No, it wasn't River Phoenix. Oh, dude, it was like one of those like '90s like. Oh fuck! I'm like blanking out because I literally like heard the story today of like the guy that he originally wanted to pick it. It was oh dude, it was one of those like heartthrob guys from the '90s, and that was the but the reason he didn't get it was because he wanted to play Vincent Vega, mm-hmm. um, and then he's like, no, 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 you're not him. Like I already have a guy who's gonna play that, and I you're not gonna play Jules. And then apparently, what's his name? Um, uh, Michael Madsen. Bruce, Bruce, no, no, Bruce Willis wanted to play Jules, and oh. he's like, "I know you casted him to be black, but what if like I turned him into like like a hipster kind of guy, and that's why he talks like that?" And he's like, "No, no, you're not, you're not Jules, bro. Like, I already have a Jules, so like, don't don't try to be Jules." Yeah. Um, Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Dillon. That's who he wanted him to be, and um, yeah, no, it was um, it was a. Uh, it was a good choice, actually, I think. I think it was a good choice to switch it to Bruce Willis. I can't picture Matt Dillon being a fucking boxer yeah. and killing someone. You know, like, you can see Bruce Willis because he has, like, kind of, like, that, like, uh, live wire aspect yeah. to him and whatnot. Later on in yeah. life, that would come to bite him back in the butt and whatever, right? Yeah. I know it's a bad joke about his mental state, but, yeah. <clears throat> yeah he's like, kind of, like, buff. Like, he has the buff. Yeah, body. I guess I don't think of Matt Dillon in that. No, he looks too. Um, I don't know. Like he looks like too, um, like college frat boyish or whatever. Yeah. Especially like when I put up Matt Dillon, nineteen ninety four. Like he just looks like he's like, you know, the body double for a fucking you know Calvin Klein ad or some yeah. shit. Or he whatever. was like the pretty boy in that era. Yeah. So like, but yeah, I don't know. But he apparently like, the story goes, Bruce Willis like was a huge. fan 
fan of Reservoir Dogs and Hybe Cartel Kaitel was like mm-hmm. invited Quentin Tarantino over to a pool party and they were both there and that's when they started talking and he was like, Let me be in your next movie. I want to play Vincent Vega and he's like, No, yeah. no, 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 you're not him. And then um eventually like because just by chance he was like, All right, I'll play the boxer, like trust me, like picture me as the boxer and then eventually he like let him in but he at first he thought he was like too big of a star like he was fucking like die hard you know at that time period because what people don't understand like when this movie came out this is very much like an independent movie like it was playing like at like 200 uh theaters or whatever right and then like word of mouth, that old school just like word of mouth like hey yo this is like like parasite for example like where mm-hmm. it's just like word of mouth just kept growing and growing and growing and before you know it like the big movie was forrest gump like they, these two movies came out in the same era or whatnot right yeah. and like before you know it it was just like right up there with like all the big blockbusters your jurassic parks and all that fucking shit or whatever at the same time and shit and like it was just before you know it it was like the movie of the year kind of thing. It was like even Mad TV, like where they were doing like those parodies and whatnot, where it's just like, I'm yeah. going to get medieval on your butt talks or whatever. Like they were doing, you yeah. know, mashups of the movie and whatnot. It, like it was just like a juggernaut of a movie. You look back at like Jackie Brown, which to me like is like a really, I, I still like Jackie Brown. Like it's, it's its own thing. Yeah. But like that follow up movie to this movie never stood a chance. Cause like this was such a juggernaut. Yeah. Of a movie. Yeah. I agree with that. This is, this is, an all-time classic movie. Um, but, yeah, I I don't think Jackie Brown is terrible, but I don't think it's great either. Mm-hmm. Like, if he would have followed this up with Kill Bill, like, you know, I think most people wouldn't have complained. Yeah. Like, that was pretty damn good. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I actually, for the long... For the longest time, I think time, he needed Jackie Brown to do Kill Bill, though. Like, he needed that humility or whatever, because, like, after this, like, he was, like, the it dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, well, th- he took the break to do like a direct. Um, um, what's that one movie he did with Rod Rodriguez with the vampires? From oh, Dust from Dustled. Another one of my favorite scenes yeah. of all time. Yeah, with yeah, Samuel Hayek. <laughs> he he put himself in there with 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 him and like directed a scene in there and like that's a really cool movie too. Like doesn't make my list, but like really really fun movie like i absolutely love from dust till dawn oh me it's too. like two movies in one really but yes yeah 100 yeah, anyways yeah. to be continued to be continued man we'll yeah. finish this off later i'm glad we said top 10 because damn we already did a, a hour 38 yeah, yeah. <laughs> this shit can you imagine Woo! the top 20 yeah, yeah. you have to finish the whole month of uh, december out but <laughs> anyways guys uh, if you have your top 10 uh, favorite movies of all time hit us up on all the social medias at R and Jacob Do America, except for X, we are at R and Jacob Do A One. If you want to support this podcast, guys, head on over to patreoncom America, where every single week we put together a bonus episode for your listening pleasure. Nine times out of ten, those episodes are better than actual episodes you're hearing for free. So if you like us here, you'll love us over there, guarantee it. If you want to support us in any other way, guys, I highly recommend heading on over to the website at rnjacobdoamerica.com. Uh, follow the merch links where we currently have four designs up there. Uh, for your purchasing pleasure so head on over there and it's not so much to help us monetarily as we probably see 10 15 cents i looked it up last time or whatever like someone bought a shirt it was something ridiculous like 5.24666 cents or whatever for a t-shirt yeah. or whatever it just goes into like the pot or whatever but it's not so much to help us monetarily as again we don't see enough money for that to make that work but it does help promote this podcast so uh, if you're going to the new Beverly Cinema in Hollywood and they see an Arnold Jacob Do America t-shirt, maybe Quentin Tarantino, 
listens to this podcast, help this podcast grow. Maybe he'll catapult us in his 10th and final movie or whatever, right? Who knows? Fuck it. One can wish. Uh, but anyways, guys, if you want to hear other great podcasts, guys, we are official members of the Podbelly Network. So head on over to podbelly.com. Check out other great podcasts such as the World Famous Sofa King podcast and Hillbilly Horror Stories and Robots Brock. With that said... Were you going to say them? No, no, I wasn't going to say anything. Just breathing hard over I was there. just going to say, I was yawning. I was going to say uh, Hillbillies for Eyes is the <laughs> other podcast. <laughs> no, that's the podcast we do after this podcast expires. But with that said, guys, we'll see you next week with numbers five through one. Goodbye. Good night. Signing out.